Welcome, everyone, to another edition of the Chicago Bulls Sports Ethos coverage. I'm your host for tonight, Trey Hill. Al, as the usual host, is Keith Court. He is currently moving his family across the country back to the lovely state of Illinois. So I'm stepping in as host, but not to fear. I have a friend of the pod at this point, not even guest, uh, Stephen Bagel from the Bird Rights Podcast. Thank you for coming on to talk some contract possible contract extensions, um, some cap spikes, some TV deals. All the fun number stuff. Thank you, sir, for coming on. Do your plugs. Of course. Thanks for having me on. So I've actually been with Bird Red Song a little bit of hiatus. For those of you who know me, know that I did just take the um, the bar exam again. So obviously, you know, leading up to that, I wasn't really pr- producing much content. So this is actually my first, you know, I've kind of been hibernating, I would say. And this is, you know, I'm just waking up and... Trey asked me to come on. I couldn't say no to him. And yeah, so you can't expect another bird rights coming off this weekend. And yeah, and you could hear me on this Sports Ethos Chicago Bulls coverage. Well, I, I am honored, sir, that you came out of hibernation to come help walk me through really the IO contract extension and what that's going to look like with him being a second round pick and, and everything that that entails. Um, but before I get too far into this, uh, Keith would kill me if I didn't plug the Sports Ethos Fantasy Basketball. It's at Ethos Fantasy BK. Right now, with everybody changing teams, everybody having new roles, it's the perfect time to follow the experts and to get like the, the edge really heading into the season. So if you want the best place to go to find those shortcuts, it's again at Ethos Fantasy BK. Go follow them and also follow the show while you're at it at Ethos Bulls. So uh, I did that. There you go, Keith. I hope you really like that. Let's get down to some business. Uh, I brought you on to talk about Io, like I said, but right now Vucevic is kind of the name going around because the Bulls and Vucevic apparently are going to get together to talk extension. And for me personally, I'm a Vooch fan, but even if you're not a Vooch fan, the idea of losing this asset for nothing, I don't think that's something that is is acceptable for even even the most the biggest Vooch detractors. So what is, uh, what do you think the Bulls are looking at for, for Vucevic? If they do sign him to a contract extension, are they eligible to trade him this year? And uh, just what's that situation looking like for us? So let's start with the numbers. Vucevic is um, his starting. If he were to resign, he could start at $26.4 million for a maximum of four years, $118 million. Now, when he re-signed with Orlando, it was four for 100, I believe, he signed. And that contract was actually descending. So it started at like 24, went down to 22, went down to 20, whatever it may be. Whatever the map picks down, I don't have on the top of my head exactly what the numbers broke down to be. But if I'm the Bulls, I'm going to see if he's willing to do that again. Because, you know, we'll we'll get into it with Io. And, you know, Levine's only going to go up. DeRozan's only going to go up. So that's what I'm looking at. Um, We could get into the specific amounts that Vucevic is, I just lost my train of thought, the specific amount that we, you know, would feel comfortable. That we think he's worth. As the Bulls, yeah. So we could get into that, but to, to make a long story short and answer your question, we saw actually a few times this year in the NBA where free agents actually signed extensions on like June 30th during the moratorium period 
so they'd be trade eligible right away. We saw Robert Covington do that with the Clippers very early on in free agency. And then after guys, I, I can't think of off the top of my head everyone, but like Thaddeus Young, for example, he was a free agent with Toronto. They announced he resigned him, but they actually did it. Same thing with Gary Harris and Orlando. That's what I was going to say. Those two guys ended up just signing extensions with their team. So they're eligible to be traded right away. Oh, well, that's so, good to know. So Kusevich, you could give him an extension anytime up until through the moratorium up until June 30th, and he would be trade eligible right away. On that well, the, the Vooch haters will be glad to know that even if he signs the extension, they are eligible to, to ship him right out. His last extension, you said four for 100, that, you know, it's 25 million a year. To me, I, I don't even think I want to pay him on average 20 million a year. But if he's willing to do the descending salary, I think my the max I'm really willing to go is three years, 54 million. So that's 18 million on average, but it would be 20 million. 18 million, 16 million. And like as a Bulls fan, I think that's a that's about as high as I'm willing to go. Uh, you're an outsider, but you do love the cap, you love contracts, you love that sort of thing. When you looked at it, what what did you kind of set as your your highest market price you you'd be willing to buy it if you were the Bulls front office? I actually was thinking before you just said 18, I was thinking about 17 and a half. So you're actually pretty spot on just from a standpoint of what? Well, I, I, I'm good with 17 and a half, but if you do a nice even number like 18, it's way easier for someone like me to do the math. So, yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, maybe it's hard because he's going to be 33 years old by the time the contract, the new contract or the new extension kicks in. So I can't imagine a four year deal. I can't picture them signing him until he's 36 years old. So I feel like it's going to be something along the lines of, okay, fine. We won't. Vucevic's agent could say something along the lines of, okay, I'll accept that you won't give him the max, but we want an an, a larger annual value. Instead of 18 a year for four years, we'll take 21 for three years a year. So that's where it kind of gets tricky. If you knock out one of those years, saying, okay, you're 36 years old at the end of this contract. We're not giving you four years. They're going to want more money up front. So that's where it does get a little tricky. I think the Bulls are going to go into it looking to give him two years. So I think three years is going to end up being the compromise. Yeah. Link, it's it's link definitely wise. possible. But, but the, I, I think we're pretty well on the same page in terms of Vooch's value when it comes to how much you want to try and pay him as your starting, starting center going into the next few years. Because they're – Samanovic isn't he's not the answer going forward Andre Drummond is not going to be the answer going forward so Vucevic whether you like him or not unless he gets traded he's looking to be the starter going forward um now for the main event of why I brought you on Io was a second round pick and I see in your notes here that uh, they the Bulls decided to give Samanovic that third year instead of Basumu so as a result, Samanovic would have been eligible, or Samanovic is eligible for the five years 120, while Io can only get the 468. So, um, however, another team can offer Io, what is it, four years 89? 80, yeah. yeah, 80, yeah I have 83 written down, but it's 89. Yep. Yeah, eight, yeah, 89 and a half. So, Io potentially could get paid a lot of money 
going into next year. Um, can you kind of explain why the Bulls aren't able to offer him as much as everybody else and just kind of what the, the rules are around all of that? Sure. So I'm going to go back to last offseason. The Bulls signed Alex Caruso for basically the entire MLE. I think they left 900000 left over. At that point, when they were willing to bring Simonovich over and they drafted a Sunmil, only one of them are able to get the, that $900,000 chunk. So, I, again, I, I would love to have been a fly on the wall in that conversation. Maybe Dasunmu only wanted the two-year minimum because of the fact that, you know, he gets paid quicker that way. He gets paid after two years rather than the full rookie deal. You, I, I you, do, hear a lot, you do hear a lot of it from, like, draft experts mm-hmm. about second-round picks having deals in places with teams. So maybe that was part of it, that he could hit free agency that much quicker. It's definitely conceivable that Io's agent said, okay, look, he just was an All-American. We think he was a first-round talent. He doesn't want the third year. He just wants to, he'll take the two-year minimum, and then, you know, he'll get paid quicker. As Dion Waiters once said, bettering yourself in double down. So that, that's my thinking, because I can't imagine them willingly, after drafting Io, giving Simonovich the third year. But either way. As a result, Simonovich has the third year, and he's eligible for, as you said, the 5 for 120, while Ayo's only eligible for the Bulls to sign four for 68. So Ayo, because uh, – is it Ayo or Ayo? I've been saying both. Ayo, uh, I believe. Ayo, yeah. I used to call him Ayo in college all the time. But, okay, so Ayo is – let me see. I'm just looking at my notes here. Basically, what – the rule is, is it's called the Gilbert Arenas provision. It started back in 2003 when the Warriors had early bird rights on Gilbert Arenas and he signed an offer sheet with the Wizards at eight and a half million. Golden State didn't have the cash space and they were only able to offer him with his early bird rights provision, 4.9 million at the time. So as a result, they ended up losing him to the Wizards. And then when they negotiated a new CBA, they pointed to this and said, okay, like, how can incumbent teams keep the second round picks that outperform, you know, their draft right. stock and their contracts? Right. And so that they basically changed it to where the, the team that drafted him, it was like a restricted free agency situation where the, the team could match it. Yeah. So we're not looking at a Jalen Brunson mass situation because there, because Jalen Brunson didn't get a player option, he's had a straight four year deal. He didn't get any restricted free agency. So he walked and went to the next. Um, right, with, the Bulls will have the option to match. Even, yeah, Io you know, is restricted. So, right, and four not, for yeah. four for eighty nine. That that's a rich contract, and the way it works is it would be backloaded from the research that you did and put in on this. It would be ten million, ten and a half million, then eleven million, and it jumps to thirty three million, then to thirty four million. Well, in yeah, twenty five, twenty six. That's the max. I mean, it could always conceivably, you know. What right, that's that's the worst case scenario for the Bulls front office to have to match. I I kind of see him more signing a three year deal, kind of at that ten and a half million with the raises, you know, kicked in there. So you know, ten and a half, maybe twelve, then fourteen or fifteen. That's what I was going to say. I, the there's two people I'm looking at when discussing this, you know, Gilbert Arenas provision. So basically a team that's not the Bulls, the maximum they could offer AO in the first year is the mid-non-taxpayer MLE, which, as you said, is 10 and a half. 
Then the second year, the 5% raise. But then the third year is when it could jump to the maximum that a third year salary for a player with one to two years of NBA experience could get. And that's the 33 million. And then the fourth year will be four and a half million on top of that. So I'm, that's the absolute max. He's not going to get that. I mean, as I said, the two players I would be looking at is one, Taylor Horton Tucker faced a similar situation with the Lakers. And he ended up signing what? Three years starting at the MLA with the 5% raises. And that's, that's what his contract is. So that's what I envisioned something along those lines. But then I'm also looking at Tyler Johnson. That the, the Gilbert Arenas provision hasn't been used in the NBA since 2016. And that was with Tyler Johnson when he was on the heat. The Nets gave him some massive contract that was extremely backloaded. I think the first two years were five and a half million and the next two years were 19 and 20 million each. The Heat ended up matching it, and then they had to salary dump him at the 2019 trade deadline because, you know, that $19 million for Tyler Johnson is extensive. So It is, and I, I believe there's supposed to be a good chunk of teams that have some cap space next year. A lot of teams. So it wouldn't, surpri- it wouldn't surprise me for if, if Io continues to be a defensive stopper and shows some flashes on offense for a team who strikes out on the big names in free agency to throw him an offer. But if he, if he plays well enough to get the offer, I don't think there's any way the Bulls front office lets him walk. So worst case scenario, the Bulls might, might get stuck paying this guy a lot of money, but it's not going to be a Brunson situation, Bulls fans. We're not going to lose Io without, without getting a chance to match that contract. At the very least, let's say, you know, I'm trying to think. I know the Spurs, the Pacers, and I believe the Pistons and Rockets. All four of those teams have legitimately $60 million in cash space next this upcoming summer, which is absurd. I've never seen an option. I know money's becoming abundant in the NBA nowadays with the cap spites and everything like that. I, that's unheard of. That four teams have at least $60 million to spend. So let's say, you know, a Spurs or a Pacers or a Rockets or Pistons, whoever, they, they say, okay, fine, we'll do the full $89.5 million for them. That's really going to hamstring the Bulls. I mean, it's weird because the Bulls, because they have early bird rights, could only offer him the $68 million, but another team could offer him the $89 million, but the Bulls can match. So if he really outplays that $68 million overall this year, and you think, okay, he's a $20-plus million player a year, you have to kind of hope another team signs him so the Bulls have the opportunity to match. So it's it's a very convoluted and confusing provision that even I'm not a professional on. So that's where it gets tricky. And yeah, I mean, are, are you okay with in 24-25? I'm not going to say $33 million because that's a lot of money. Let's say he starts at the two for 21, like Taylor Horton Taco did, the mid-level exception, and the third year jumps to $20 million, and then the fourth year's results are like 22 and a half. Are you okay with that? Oh, I'd, I'd have been fine paying him. If someone, if, if he plays well enough that someone's willing to max him out at that $33 million, I'm willing to pay it as a Bulls fan. Mm-hmm. Because especially, and we're going to get into this in a minute, with that new TV deal coming, that $34 million in 25-26, if we get another $30, $35 million cap spike, that $34 million is not going to be looking nearly as painful 
as you know we think it is at the in this moment so worst if the worst case scenario is we have this second year player who is so impactful in limited minutes because our guard rotation is is crowded he's not going to get tons and tons of playing time so if he's able to play that well in the role he has then good that that's the kind of player I want on the Bulls. So I, I'm happy even paying him that much. So I, I just wanted to I wanted to clarify that. And and it doesn't hurt that he's a hometown boy. Yeah, I, I have that in my notes as well. I mean, you would imagine he wants to stay. He's played college ball there. He grew up there. Odds are he's going to stay for his hometown team. Maybe he says, okay, I'm not going to get the playing time here because as you said, the guard rotation is crowded. But you know, you have Kobe White in expiring. You would imagine... They're going to pick between White and Dasunmu. They're probably not going to sign both. I think White's getting traded at I the agree. trade deadline. I agree. I think they. I think his value is really low at the moment. And I, when you get him, besides some defensive talented guards with Caruso and Lonzo coming back, hopefully, I think they want to boost White's value and hopefully get him out at the trade deadline, so they don't have to worry about signing him to an extension because they are, there are a lot of players that are owed a lot of money coming up. Yeah. And, you know, Drummond has a player option. Derrick Jones Jr. has a player option. Um, and then, yeah, other than that, you re-sign Vucevic, you re-sign Dasunmu, your books are starting to look pretty hectic. And then, you know, already after next year, DeRozan's expiring and you're going to have to pay him again. So it, it definitely gets tricky. So that's why. But as I said, Dasunmu, you could get him early bird with the early bird provision before you know another you can't extend him that that's the thing with him only signing a two-year deal you could only extend players that have a three-year contract so you, he's going to hit free agency it's just a matter of if the bulls could beat any other team to him and get him locked down for cheaper than what he could be matched for that's really what it comes down to right and again i think whatever whatever he's able to to command in free agency i i fully expect the bulls to match and I know we're paying DeMar 27, 28, or yeah, 27 million this year, 28 million next year. I don't, I don't expect him to be as good the next two years as he was this last year. So, you know, his salary, maybe we can get that salary a little bit lower. Maybe we can get him to also buy in and be on a contract that descends go, you know, going forward. Because when you have an ownership like the one the Bulls have, you know, they're going to just tread on that luxury tax line. And if they are going to cross it, they're, they're only going to cross it the once or twice and stay as far away from that repeater tax as possible. So any pennies you can pinch by being creative and how you structure the contracts, how, you, you know, player options, bonuses, whatever you need to do. I, I think this front office is, is looking to do that. Yeah, definitely. And one more thing I just want to note while we're on Jusunmu is that, as I said, another team could give him the max eligible. He'd be eligible to sign another team with, which is the mid-level exception. You have to basically, because he's eligible for that huge spike in the third year of the new deal he would sign, you have to average out that contract, and that's how much cap space a team has to have. So let's say a team does want to sign to that $89 million deal where it jumps to $33 million in year three. That breaks out to what? 89 divided by four, $22 million a year a team would have to have in cap space. So even if his starting salary is 10 million, 
you have to have 22 million cap space in order to sign. Right. So now, as I said, there will be a lot of young teams that would want him that have plenty of cap space, but that, that does limit you a little bit. 10 million in cap space and 22 million in cap space for one guy is a big difference. Now I'm going to hit you with a question I didn't ask you before the pod. So if you don't have an answer, it's okay. Okay. Now I know, so say free agency hits and I re-signed with the Bulls and they use their mid-level to sign them. They just use the mid-level up and they mm-hmm. sign them for the three years. The Bulls can't use their mid-level on somewhere, someone else in that situation. Say the, the Pistons use their cap space to sign IO and the Bulls match the contract. Can they still then use their mid-level exception on another player? Because You're they saying, are matching if cap space. the Pistons space, bring him into cap space and the Bulls want to match, right, would that or, take up the Bulls mid-level? Right. If he signs elsewhere mm-hmm. and then the Bulls match the cap space offer, are they, do they still have that mid-level to use? I believe they would still have the mid-level to use. So really it might, it might benefit the Bulls to have him sign elsewhere, match the offer, and then they would still have, they might still have their mid-level to sign another player. Yeah, well, they could re-sign him as a sell with the early bird provision anyway, but he could outplay that, that number. I was going to say that's a pretty low number, though, yeah. if I remember it's correctly. It's 175% of what he's making now, which is a minimum, so that's off the table. So then you look at 100, what is it, 105%, I believe. See, the 105 or 120. 100, 105% of the league average salary in the previous season. So I believe the league average salary is about eight and a half, so figure that would be starting in $9 million. So realistically, he would probably want the mid-level at that point to get the few extra million. Right. I don't, I don't think, I don't think he's going to be, I don't think he's, I think he's going to command more money than that. Yeah. So, but it was, it was something that went through my head. I wanted to run it by you. So yeah, no, I believe if they're just matching, even if it's at mid level money, it would just, you know, they, they have his restricted rights. They match it. They would still have the mid level exception. Right. And that, that would, that would definitely send them into the tax. So that's not necessarily something I would expect the bulls to do, but it is just something to have in the back of your mind going forward. If say they have an, a, an extra successful season and maybe they do look like contenders with this kind this group. I've mentioned the TV deal a couple times before. I wanted to just kind of dive into it with you be, just because I had the chance to talk to you and it's so much about the numbers. Um, so we've seen this before in uh, 2016, we saw Kevin Durant take advantage of the cap spike because the TV deal came in. And he was able to sign with the Warriors. Uh, when is the, the TV deal up now? What are we looking at going forward? And just kind of give us the, the, the next TV deal overlook. Okay, so I'm pretty sure the TV deal would be starting in the 25-26 season. So the NBA, the last TV deal, when we had that huge cap spike, as you just referred to, it, they signed for a nine-year, $24 billion deal. But what Jabari Young reported back in March, from what I read, is that the NBA is seeking a $75 billion deal, which is three times as much as what the last one was. So we're looking at not only a cap spike, but, you know, like a substantial cap spike. So let's see. Um, In your notes here, it says a source told Forbes Morton Jensen the cap could reach as high as 171 million 
if they don't agree on cap smoothing. And up until what was it like 2013, the cap was what 70 million. So the fact that you know 15 years later it's going to jump by 100 million is absurd. And, and he, I, I even I, and I, that that is a huge jump. But even to comp- I know, but numbers have jumped so much lately. Right now, cleaning the glass without the TV deal being projected and just the normal growth the league has had the last couple of years, it's projected to be 141. So that would be a $30 million increase, which is it's just such a substantial – that's almost a max player for each team just in cap space. And it's going to make teams a lot more willing to, you know, keep their guys as well because, you know, you, you have more money to play with. So yeah, $171 million as high as, and you could see annual amounts of $15 million. So again, pretty substantial. Right. And uh, again, that would kick in in the 25, 26 season. So any contracts being signed going forward, that would be year three. So uh, someone who has say a $20 million contract three years from now, that number might look a lot better if the cap gets to jump up like it yeah, did. Let's say Vucevic, because that would be the, let's say he signs that three-year deal like we said. The last right. year that deal would be the 25-26. That's when we'd be looking at, I don't know if it'd go to $171 million the first year of the TV deal, but either way, it's going to be, even if it's $15 million more than what it was in 23-24, because we're supposed to get another $10 million cap spike for this upcoming offseason. Right. So, so if you can if you can have Vucevic's number being 16 million in the year of the cap spike, the Bulls might be able to structure the contracts around being able to have some cap room to maybe bring someone bring one more person into a core that they think is one player away from being in title contention. So depending on how the Vucevic contract plays out, but depending on how the IO contract plays out, and you know, a couple others. The Bulls can, it's really going to be telling, I think, how they set themselves up for the next, for basically Zach's prime. It seems like they brought Vucevic in, then they brought DeMar in, they brought Lonzo in. Lonzo's a little bit younger, but I felt like they brought DeMar and Vucevic in to stabilize a franchise that had been seen as a laughingstock. They wanted to to get good again. And you brought Lonzo and Caruso in, and they're like, you know, in their mid-20s. You've got Patrick Williams, who's 20 years old. You've got Io, who's 22. You've got Kobe White, who's 22. I think they wanted the Bulls to be good. And then, like, three years from now, when Lonzo's hitting his prime, Caruso's hitting his prime, you know, Lonzo's been in his prime and is ideally at his peak, you know, like that 30-31 year season. That's when you want to go into the tax. So to me, I think the Bulls are waiting, you know, two, three years from now, we're looking at the Bulls hopefully being willing to go into the tax to build a team around Zach that is a title contender. What what are your thoughts on that kind of, do you think that kind of team building, me looking at it that way is, does it make sense to you as a cap guy? Uh, how do you see the Bulls cap going forward? When do you think they, they should maybe go for it with Zach? Well, I think a lot of it's going to depend on what they resign um, to Sunmu to or what they have to match for him. Because again, if he's going to get that full max at $89 million and in 24, 25, he's making 33 million, then all of a sudden, even with the cap spike, 
between him and DeRozan and Vucevic and Levine. And Patrick Williams, to... who will be on an extension. Yeah. So, I mean, they're not going in the tax issue. The luxury tax fine's $149 million. They're at 148.6. So they just, you know, they're a hair under. I'm sure if they need to offload a Tony Bradley to make a subsequent other move to bring in a little few million dollars, they will. Um, so they're not going to go in the tax this year. 23-24, the tax threshold's $161 million. I have them with nine guys under contract at $120.3 million and figure Vucevic is about 18 mil. Dasunu takes that mid-level money. That's all of a sudden $149 million committed to 11 guys. You could then still use the full mid-level exception and get a few minimums and you'll be good. So I don't think even next year there's much of a concern for the tax because Io is not going to start him much more than the mid-level. Even if he takes a huge deal, he'll just be backloaded. And Vucevic, I don't think he's going to get that much more than $18 million. If- and I, I'm, 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 as a Bulls fan, I'm happy with that because I don't think the Bulls are necessarily, as much as I love this team with Vuce and DeMar, I don't think with them as the main guys, it's built to be a, a contender. I think if you have DeMar maybe coming off the bench or as, as, as your fifth guys, you know, your fourth and fifth guys, and you let Patrick Williams develop, you let Zach develop, you let Lonzo and Caruso. I think that is the core with maybe one other guy. I think that's the core the Bulls are looking to build around. Mm -hmm. And so if you have the luxury tax option for the 24-25 season and then the 25-26 cap spike season, if you can get some expirings for those years, maybe you set up, set yourself up nicely to be able to trade for a, disgr- a disgruntled star or, you know, just trade away the assets to get the cap space to sign somebody that you want to sign, because by then you'll have some, some picks you can trade away again. So to me, I think the bulls are setting themselves up to really build towards the 24, 25 and the 25, 26 season. Uh, in terms of just like cap space, being able to strike um, that sort of thing, uh, contract structure. Do you you agree with that? Looking over there, looking over how they have things. Yeah. So as I said, DeRozan's expiring at the end of next year. So figure he has something new kick in starting 24-25. Vucevic, if you re-sign, he'll be in the second year in 24-25. And then 25-26 in that big cap spike would be his last year. Lonzo, you have a player option 24-25. If, you know, he keeps having these injuries persist, he's going to opt into that, even though he's a fine player. Caruso, same thing. He's under contract through 24-25. Patrick Williams, you're going to have to extend. And then Desunmu will be under contract at that point as well. So that's going to probably be what? What is that? Six big numbers you're going to have on the books. So I think that's a perfect opportunity right before that cash spike, okay, yeah, we'll pay the tax issue. The cap could spike. You could then get out of the tax, even if you go on the tax of 24-25. And then when cash spike comes in, all of a sudden you're out of the tax again and still avoid the repeat of tax and then could go in the following year and do, do it all over. Right, and how, how old is Zach right now? How old is Zach? What is he, 27, 28, 27. 27. Right, so, he's, so yeah, he's already had his birthday this year even so yeah that's like his his 29 through 31 seasons Mm -hmm. those those are i feel like yeah he might not be quite at his athletic peak 
but I feel like those are the best years in terms of still having a lot of your athleticism, but having just the knowledge of the game, being a, having put in, you know, the 10,000, you know, uh, hours of just all of that breakdowns and having all of that. I think that's really when Zach is going to show off just his abilities. And I think that's what AK and the Bulls front office are, are banking on too. Yeah. And, you know, at that point, DeRozan's going to be, what, 35 years old. Vucevic is going to be 33, 34. Um, so you're really going to have to rely on Levine and Pat Williams and Asunmu to really be that core. You know, I'm not saying Vucevic and DeRozan. Right. And Lonzo and Caruso. Yep. And then Lonzo. Dale and Terry, maybe he comes through. Yep. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Um, well, uh, we're getting ready to wrap this thing up, but thank you for coming out of hiatus again for coming on. Stephen Bagel from Bird Rights Podcast. Uh, do your Twitter plugs, do all that before uh, I wrap this thing up. You could follow me on Twitter at Bird Rights Pod, all one word. And yeah, as I said, I'm going to be releasing a podcast this weekend. I'm going to be doing a team preview for all 30 teams with the beat writer or a reporter from each team, you know, doing a season preview or off season review you know, talking of the nerdy salary cap stuff that I love. And yeah, so if you're on the lookout for that, be on the lookout up leading through the season. I'm going to try to release two to three episodes a week. And yeah, I'm going to be guest appearing on podcasts just like I am with Trey here for other teams. All right. And you can follow me on Twitter at Final Finally. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Sports Ethos Chicago Bowl coverage. I was your host for tonight, Trey Hill. See you soon, Keith. Spring? Is that you? Warmer temps mean new Allbirds styles. Meet the Super Light Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Allbirds, now in fresh colors. These must-have travel shoes have a lighter-than-air feel and barely-there fit that made them the most packable shoes ever. That means more comfort and less baggage. Try the Super Light Tree Runner with a cushy foam midsole and breathable eucalyptus fiber upper. Plus, they're comfy right out of the box. So what can you do in a super light shoe? What can't you do is the better question. And because they're super packable, the real question is, where are you taking them? Experience how Allbirds redefines comfort. Visit Allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com. Code SUPER24.